Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Hey church, as you can see by my location, I am still in ISO. My family are all free, but I am still doing time. However, I am so grateful for technology that I can still bring you God's word today. Because I really believe that God wants to speak today to us through the book of Nehemiah. Now we're in the second week of our series in Nehemiah, all about rise and build. What does it look like to rise and build together? Now, I'm not much of a builder. In fact, when I think of building, I actually think of sandcastles. I can remember times when our kids were little and we would spend hours on the beach having fun building sandcastles. But you'd get so far with a sandcastle and then one of the kids would come along and destroy it. I can remember other times we'd, you know, rebuild and make a beautiful castle happen and a cousin would come and jump on it. Sometimes an accident, sometimes intentional. Other times I'd make progress with this great castle with the kids and waves would come along and destroy it. One particular summer at Horseshoe Bay, I remember making an epic castle with our three kids. We'd managed to beat the waves. We'd managed to prevent cousins and siblings destroying it along the way. And so as we left the beach that day, I looked back at our epic sandcastle only to see someone else's child stomping on it. Sometimes life can feel a little bit like that sandcastle. That we start building our lives and we're getting somewhere and we're making progress only to get knocked down. Sometimes it can feel like life is one step forward and two steps back. We keep trying to build, to grow, to invest in all the things God calls us into. And then things and people knock us down. Sometimes it's external things, things out of our control. Other times it's people. And sometimes even those we thought were on our team. Challenges get in the way of what we are trying to build. Mike shared with us last week about Nehemiah following the call to build and restore the wall around the city. And what we find in Nehemiah's story is he understands what it's like to build in the face of challenge. He understands what it's like to seek restoration while struggling with opposition. So I want us to learn together today from Nehemiah's response how we can build when we're confronted with challenge. So we're going to pick up the story of Nehemiah in chapter 4. And this is when these two men, Sanballat and Tobiah, who were regional governors serving under the king, they're trying to stop Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. Let me read starting in chapter four. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? 
Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. You see, rebuilding the wall was really important. It was significant to the Jewish people as part of their history and story of God, a sense of belonging and gave them protection from attack. Sanballat and Tobiah, these two men, wanted to stop it. They were governors over two of the people groups who had been driven previously from the promised land. And now this new guy, Nehemiah, that's gone from cupbearer to governor, they wanted to stop him. There's this power play going on. Sanballat and Tobiah wanted to undermine Nehemiah. They didn't want the wall rebuilt because this would mean greater independence and security for the Jewish people, greater morale for them as a group. I'm guessing they were angry, probably jealous, feeling threatened. And so they rally their troops in the presence of their army. They ridicule and cast doubt, intentionally demeaning the Jewish people, their actions and their purpose. You see, last time this had worked. The rebuild was forcibly stopped back in Ezra's time. And so I'm guessing they thought this would work and they'd stop the wall being restored. You know, I wonder what this looks like in our story. The times when we are trying to build, maybe when we look to put a new part of our character right, we're building and investing into us. Maybe a new way that God's calling us into, a new path, a new ministry, a new boldness to share our faith and follow God's plan. Maybe when we start trusting God to restore us, we get hit with ridicule from others about our worth and purpose. Maybe even our own narrative is a blocker, the negative self-talk, the, the doubt that creeps in. Or maybe we've failed before like the Jewish people and so we just can't see it working. But what we see with Nehemiah in the face of challenge his first response is to pray. Let me read another verse to us in chapter four. It says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. We see here that Nehemiah turns to God I love his honest prayer. In fact, it's actually Deuteronomic curses. He's calling on Yahweh, on God, to, to judge and take sides, to intervene. Nehemiah goes to God first. His very first response is to pray. And he does so honestly with the reality of what he's feeling. So what does that look like for us? To be people who pray first. When the challenges come and the doubts, when things get tough, to pray first. Before whinging, before getting even, before quitting, to be people who cry out to God and to be real with him. Because that's what Nehemiah shows us, to pray first. You see, Nehemiah, he was determined. It wouldn't fail. He would confront the challenge and they would rebuild the wall. But what we see is this wasn't his only prayer time. It wasn't just, oh no, we're stuck, so we better pray. He'd actually spent several months in prayer and fasting before this. We read that in Nehemiah chapter one. You see, prayer isn't just for the panic. It's in the preparation. 
Prayer is for before the challenge. It's for during the challenge. It's for after the challenge. Prayer is a lifestyle. You know, we are currently right now in the middle of two weeks of prayer and fasting as a church. It's not too late to join us this week. Let's choose to spend committed time in prayer this week, seeking God, listening to him and bringing our challenges before him. And for those of us that are not facing a challenge right now, well, let's be praying now. So when the challenge comes, just like Nehemiah, we'll have the courage to confront. Because this prayer, it not only changed Nehemiah, giving him courage, but it also changed the people. Their hearts moved from defeated to motivated. We read in verse 6, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. They worked with all their heart. The people under Nehemiah's leadership prayed and then they persevered. They got on with it. They were determined. They showed some grit. They were ready to participate and work hard. What would that look like in our lives when we're confronted with challenge to pray and persevere? Now, before I was a pastor, I was actually a physio for a number of years and I specialised in neuro rehab. I spent some time working in London. This involved helping people after their strokes, their rehab to participate and get back to walking, going home. And I remember this one particular client and he stands out because his courage and perseverance truly astounded me. He'd had a stroke on the left side of his brain, which affected his right arm and leg and his balance and language and speech. And for him, his goal was to get home again. But the challenge was, as per many London homes, it was a two-story home. And he had to get up the stairs to be able to get to his bed and sleep. And so we did together these inpatient exercises every day as he was an inpatient, working, helping him to get stronger and learn how to regain his balance and mobility again. He eventually made it home, but initially only living on one level. They had to relocate his bed downstairs. And I continued to see him for months and months, weekly physio sessions, working with him with the goal to get upstairs again. Numerous setbacks he struggled with. He had infections, we had falls, he had speech difficulties, there were frustrations, there were times when he would be in tears. But he persevered, he persisted for many, many months and eventually he achieved the goal of sleeping upstairs. Now this client that I remember, his perseverance was outstanding. He had to work. There were times that he would try and he would fail, but he would try again. He had to listen to my correction and, and take the, the details I was telling him as a physio what he needed to work on. And he chose to persevere in the challenging times. You know, this challenge to persevere is there for us too. As God restores us and calls us to more, as he builds something in our lives, we too, we need to persevere and participate with him in the face of obstacles. To listen to his correction, to work hard with him, There'll be times when we try and we fail, but we need to try again. We need to pray and persevere. I believe Nehemiah would call us today to be people who pray and persevere, both in our walk with God and in the things that God calls us into. Well, as we keep reading, the challenge continues, but this time it's dialed up. Let me read from verse 7. 
But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. We see it again. Their first response, they prayed to God. They returned to prayer. This posture, this lifestyle, it doesn't stop. Prayer needs to be our ongoing spiritual response. But we see they also start to have a physical response too. They get strategic. Let's keep reading. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. We see here that the people started to get tired. They were worried, they were afraid, and they'd heard that they would be attacked. And in this moment, Nehemiah goes from being a governor leading a building project to now a military task. What we see is that he puts strategy in place to protect the people. Firstly, it was pray and persevere. This time, it's pray and protect. This covert op begins. Half the people are building and half are ready to fight. And Nehemiah intentionally guards the exposed places, those most at risk, most vulnerable. And he posts the people in their family groups, calling them to work together, to solidarity, to remember their tribal identity and unity. And if we read on, we find that those who were building, they were ready too. One hand they were building and the other hand they had a weapon waiting if needed. They didn't drop their guard ever. We even read they bathed in clothes so they were ready at all times. And if a trumpet was to sound, that was their call to fight. They knew this. You see, Nehemiah was intentional about how he protects. He protects what's vulnerable and he protects together. He brings them together as family. What about us when we face opposition and challenge? What do we need to protect? What do we need to guard? What are the most vulnerable parts of our lives? What's at risk? What needs to be guarded or fought for to ensure that we don't compromise? Maybe an area of temptation, a vulnerability, and we need to strategically guard against this when we face challenge. Maybe a habit we're at risk of falling into when things get hard and we need to protect to prevent this. Or maybe it's a value we know God is calling us to have, to live lives differently to those around us, to be countercultural, and it needs to be guarded, especially when opposition comes, so that we don't compromise. I wonder what do we need to protect? 
What do you need to protect when you face challenge? And where do we need to be reminded that we protect with family? You see, we're not alone. We're the, the family of God in challenge. We stick together. We support each other. We choose solidarity. Who do you need to reach out to? To either ask for help, maybe someone to keep you accountable or offer help to support another as we stand together in the challenges of life. You see, being vulnerable and being family, they actually go together. That's when we grow trust and we pray and protect what matters to each other. Together, as we rebuild and restore and follow God, we guard what's important. We fight for what matters. Well, for the Jewish people, God frustrated the plans of the opposition. He intervened. God is the one who moves to restore. He levels the obstacles. He delivers both the people in Nehemiah's day and us. We see in verse 15 that their unity of purpose was restored and they get back to rebuilding the wall. Unfortunately, the challenge doesn't stop. This time it's internal challenge and opposition from within. And chapter 5 describes the internal threat that's going on. You see, a big project like rebuilding a city wall affected the whole economy of the country by drawing on resources to make it happen. And in doing so, Nehemiah uncovers injustices within the Jewish people. There was exploitation occurring, challenges with taxes, land ownership issues, food shortages and famine, people being sold into slavery. All these problems and challenges were becoming obstacles in the way of successfully following God's plan, seeing the wall rebuilt and restored. Now, I'm sure they were there, the problems were there in the community before. However, building the wall exacerbated them and revealed them. What about us? What are the problems that maybe are there under the surface? The habits that have maybe just always been there and we just kind of manage However, when we start to allow God to restore and rebuild us, this new way of life puts a spotlight on these internal oppositions. Sometimes through challenge, God reveals to us the things that are out of step with him. And it's then that we have the opportunity to confess, to repent, to learn and change, growing more like him, allowing him to restore us to all that he has for us. But what does Nehemiah do about this injustice and internal opposition? Firstly, he calls out the injustice. He doesn't ignore it. And then we read in chapter 5, verse 7, that he ponders. He slows down to think, not react. I dare suggest if his past form has anything to do with it, when he ponders, he prays. And then he speaks up for the vulnerable. He speaks to their value systems, the values of family, compassion and generosity. And Nehemiah also takes ownership for his part. And then we see a resolve to be community caring together, to protect both the unity and those who are vulnerable. Challenge gives us an opportunity to change and grow. When we allow God to work in our lives and restore, he will bring things to the surface. He'll reveal things that need to change in our lives. And we have the opportunity to be like Nehemiah, to listen and notice what's not right and address it. Mike spoke last week about a framework for restoration, which included surrender and confession. 
If we're to be restored and renewed and rebuilt, we need to be courageous enough to confess and surrender ourselves to God. What are the internal oppositions to our growth in God? What are the the mindsets that we hold, the behaviours we have that God is wanting to challenge this year as we step into a season of being restored? See, Nehemiah chose to participate in what God was doing, to acknowledge, to confess and seek a new way. Are we prepared to participate in what God is wanting to do in our lives? Will we notice what he's bringing to the surface and deal with it? Because opposition often creates opportunity to grow. As we build, challenge is going to come. Obstacles from around us, from others, even from ourselves. If we learn to respond as Nehemiah did, we will be people who pray, who persevere, who protect and participate. That as we pray, we commit everything to God and make it a lifestyle. As we persevere, we keep going, keep building. We don't quit. We dig deep and persevere in the challenge. As we protect, we we guard our hearts and others as we go through the challenges. And as we participate in all God wants to do in our lives, we respond to him, what he's revealing, being prepared to confess and submit. Life is full of challenge and opposition and hard times. So often I feel like if we're honest, we would love a silver bullet to just fix it all. The way out or a way around a challenge. You know, sometimes we feel like if it gets too hard, I'm just out of here, I wanna quit. I even imagine sometimes we love to have the person preaching saying, you know, if you face the challenge and pray hard enough, they're all gonna go away. And yes, sometimes things do go away. But often, as with Nehemiah, we actually have to walk through the challenge. We have to face the opposition and learn and grow and get to the other side. Even this week, as I've been writing this message, my family's been stuck home with COVID, feeling pretty sick. I've been struggling with a back injury, and yes, I wanted it all just to go away. And these are only minor challenges, but there are so many other challenges we all face financial challenges, relational challenges, health challenges. Insert your challenge here. Challenge can't be avoided. But as we face challenge, we're called to go through it, to pray, persevere, protect what matters and participate in what God wants to do in us. Sanballat tried to undermine Nehemiah and discourage the Jewish people. And so too, the enemy would want to do that with us to remind us of our failures, discourage us and cause us to quit. But the Holy Spirit is the one who restores. And we need to hold on to that truth that as we keep going, He is working in our lives. Nehemiah says in chapter 4, verse 14, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. This is a great verse to hold on to as we face challenge to remember and to fight. When things are tough, we remember God's goodness, just as Mike encouraged us to last week. We remember his faithfulness, that he created us, he knows us, he restored us, he forgives us, he's with us. We remember and name specifically the times that he's been faithful in the past, because this grows our faith. And then we fight. We fight the battle through prayer, persevering and protecting and participating in what God's doing. We keep walking through the challenge, not around it or backing away, not looking for the easy out, but keep going, dig deep and persevere together. When things get tough, 
don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Let's be people who remember and fight.